Welcome everybody, it is the Kings of the Heart Podcast. My name is Tariq Omari Walton, and if you didn't know, I am a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist, and on this show, I have a bunch of my partners who are also licensed clinical marriage and family therapists, and we're here to bring a lot of interesting conversations, knowledge, advice, thoughts, opinions, research information to you about, what else? Relationships. And the first person I have to introduce is the other king of the heart, and that is my brother, Dr. John Hart. Dr. Hart, what is happening, man? Hey, hey, it's always good to see you, brother. Hello, everyone. Very happy to be here. Glad to have you, man. Glad to have you. Um, Yes, yes. (laughs) There is um, other things that I'm trying to, for some reason, this is not working the way I want it to. I don't know why this keeps happening to me. Let's see. All right, here we go. So got Dr. John. And we got the queens of the kings of the heart. This is the royal cipher. All royalty right here. So let me bring in first Miss Weena Wise. Miss Wise. What's going on, Weena? What's up, Cypher? Good to be back. Glad to have you back. And you've seen her before, too. It is Anisha Prasad. Look at that. Got the whole crew. Anisha, can you hear us? Yes, good morning. All right, there you go, there you go. So how's everybody doing? How's everybody been? Still recovering from Thanksgiving, Christmas, (laughs) like a silver bullet. I mean, I'm I'm good. I'm like, Wayne, I'm trying to, I'm trying to hold on (laughs) their life. I'm probably going to crawl into the New Year's, but it's still good, though. It's yeah. yeah. still good, though. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying to yeah. end this, and this year good, right? What are you about to say, Anisha? Absolutely. Yeah, just, I'm just incredulous that we're at the end of 2023. Yeah, I know. 2024. That sounds like the future. Every time I say it, it sounds like the future. <laughs> so it's just crazy that, that this is where we are now. We are actually in the future. 2024. Yep. And so with saying that, you know, we have to keep in mind that we have a lot of people, we have a lot of clients who are going through a number of different issues. And the one thing that we keep finding, I know, I keep finding out over and over again, is that a lot of them are stuck in this transactional type of relationship. Dr. John and I had a conversation about it a few weeks ago, and we want to make sure we brought the entire cipher in on this conversation. We want to hear your perspectives. Weena, Anisha, we want to hear your definitions, your experiences. And we, one thing we didn't have a chance to talk about because we got so deep into what it is, we didn't have a chance to talk about how to find your way out of those kind of transactional relationships. So we want to make sure we get there before the end of the show. So just to get back into the flow of it, let's start off with you, Anisha. Anisha, please, could you give a definition, your own definition, of what it means to be in a transactional relationship. And I'm gonna make sure I say transactional instead of transitional this entire time, because I kept saying that during the last show. So transactional, being very intentional, transactional relationships. Well, first I wanna say, like if anybody listening, you know, to this episode, I would pause right now and go back and listen to the 
to the first one because it was just you guys had covered a lot of ground. Um, but I, I would say that it's it's basically a relationship where um, as as the name itself suggests, it's transactional, like there's a, a give and take um, and an expectation um, that um, there are contributions made. Um, Dr. John was making it clear, like there's usually um, like some substance to it, like it, there, there's, um, yeah, just expectations that you are going to give and get mm -hmm. out of the relationship. Yeah, it's quantifiable, you know, that's what Dr. John was saying. Mm -hmm. What about you, Wena? Mm -hmm. what, what do you have for us? What's, what's your definition of being in a transactional relationship? Listening to what you all talked about last episode, I thought about what it's not. Mm. And what stands out to me about transactional relationships is that they're typically devoid of reciprocity. Mm -hmm. You two talked about a transactional relationship that that to me sounded more mutually beneficial. But what I think about often is how people find their way in a transactional relationship and it seems to be more one-sided mm -hmm. than, than actual brokered agreement between two people. And I think that oftentimes it's devoid of authenticity. There's something missing when you discover that you're in a transactional relationship that makes it hard for you to trust that there can be some level of unconditional love or positive regard. That's important to me to point out. Mm -hmm. right. Right. I did wanna challenge, I'm sorry, one thing, mm -hmm. you know, in, in reflecting on the last episode, episode the, the notion that a transactional relationship by itself is, is a bad thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that if both people understand like it's all it's all out on the table and we agree that this is what it is um then that's just what it is mm -hmm. but i think the challenge for people is when it's all muddled and confused right and i think you guys um got into this a little bit last time where um, maybe it starts out one way and then someone catches feelings and they want more um or you think this is a romantic relationship but the other person, or maybe even both of you, have expectations that are unstated, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I think I think that's more of the issue, right. um, where where it becomes problematic. But I think by itself, I wouldn't say it's necessarily negative, or um, it doesn't it doesn't have to be. And really, it's it's historical. Mm -hmm. um, like I think the this age of romantic relationships, it's its actually more of a modern construct. Right. Um, that relationships were grounded in very much, you know, you do this, I do this. Yeah. Um, a more traditional um, kind of thing. And so I think we see vestiges of that, like kind of carry through mm -hmm. into relationships. And like I said, that's where it becomes problematic. And I think you're right. It was very historic. You know, that was very much how things, I mean, that's why you have, um, what are the kind of marriages? Arranged marriages, you know, and mm -hmm. that's built off of transactional relationships. But we have moved more towards a um, more equitable, more progressive, more egalitarian kind of society and relationships too. And with that, those, those kinds of transactions don't fit the same. I think one of the things that we mentioned before in the last podcast is that 
to a degree, there's a bit of transaction in every relationship. There are certain expectations that you have, and after a while, if they're not being met, it's going to become problematic. So there is that. When we think about the transactional relationships that we're talking about here, it's those where it's unreasonable, where your expectations are unreasonable, where when they're not being met, your response to your, um, you know, your expectations not being met, when they're not being met, basically your response to that is also unreasonable. You know, so thinking about it on that level, because, yeah, you're right. There is, you know, precedent for this. This is why, you know, one of the reasons why people got together in the first place, um, you know, it was about coming together for, for family or support, financial support. We're not in that place, at least here, not in our culture so much anymore. For some people, maybe. But I think we've we're, we've trying to go beyond that. And one of, you know, part of our job as couples therapists is moving people away from that kind of thinking. Well, can I ask you all, like, I feel like in some ways I have seen a move more toward that Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like back in the day stuff, but because of the economy being the way it is and like in the area that we're in, the DMV, as Mm -hmm. expensive as it is, I feel like I do see couples making uh, more just kind of practical decisions and, you know, in exchange for the lifestyle you know, I want like I need to be partnered up. So I see people like really even before like the romance, the love is fully established. Mm-hmm. They're moving in. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And you need to bring to the table the the finances, the resources for us to be at this at this level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that there's a, a the assumption that that the love will come right along with it. But I feel like the way our economy is tracking, that I feel like I've I've seen more people get into transactional relationships without calling it that, without necessarily having the establishment, like the confusion that we're talking about that can be problematic. And I think that's the reason why they keep ending up in our offices, because they're going into it with that transactional mindset. And when they realize the love isn't coming, the love isn't following them, Mm. now it's problematic. You know, I thought that, you know, we could build the love, but we got into this because you know, of, of financial stability. And now I'm realizing that I don't really like the person that much and they're not changing. So they need to change in order to fit what I want. But they're not doing that, even though I got what I wanted out of the relationship initially. I hear all of that. I want to take this someplace differently for okay. folks who get into this really interesting dating pattern. I've seen some clients, let's say uh, some male clients, who present with this dilemma. Uh, they say, okay, I'm used to dating trophy girls. Like I get these beautiful women, you know, folks that uh, people admire. Oh, this woman is on my arm, she's, she's bad, right? And they may not feel like they're on her level uh, physically. They may feel like they're not bringing the same thing to the table. So initially they've learned to kind of woo these women with gifts, trips, they kind of put it out there. And then at some point in the relationship when those women expect that type of treatment and they want to then slow that down and and just be in a normal relationship with more mutual reciprocity, 
they then become resentful that they started the relationship transactionally to get what they wanted and then ultimately don't realize that they kind of made that train leave the station and then at the end they're resentful that they have to stay in a position like that Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily realize that when you use that type of behavior to get in relationships with anybody then the way you start a thing is usually the way that it ends so I want to talk about all kinds of scenarios where people get into unhealthy transactional relationships and why. I mean, there's some self-esteem stuff there. Uh, there's some learned behavior there. But in the end, when a, a, a person who wants to love them unconditionally comes along, they don't know how to receive that. Mm. So used to, I either have to give you something to get what I want or I have a hard time accepting something because I've never done it before. And it's difficult now for me to receive and believe that you could just be giving out of the kindness of your heart. Mm-hmm. Dr. John, what do you think? You know, what are some of the reasons why people or what are people going through that actually helps them transition into a transactional relationship? Yeah, no, I, I think I think what, what both Anisha and, and, and Weena said are, is pretty on point. So when Anisha was talking, you know, just the researcher inside me, I was saying to myself, like, okay, like the research question popped into my head. I'm like, okay, so what are the macro and micro contextual factors that shape people's lives and lived experiences to kind of dictate to move into that kind of relationship dynamic, right? Um, when Weena was talking, you know, when Weena was also talking to this, also this, um, there's a lifestyle component-ish, there's a learned behavior-ish, so that when people do get inside of it, it's like, oh, wow, uh, I overlooked some of the critical aspects that I technically need. Like, I need that love, affection, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But when I entered it, uh, you know, and I'm tying it to Anisha's point, when I entered it, um, I, was, I, I was highly focused on the lifestyle that I wanted, because why I live in the DMV. Um, but then when Anisha was talking, again, the research inside me is, was saying, okay, even from a macro level, we're in the DMV, like what's going on for the folks who live in like super rural, disconnected, other marginalized, you know, communities. And again, that's just my public health research mind going in. Like, are those people in those lifestyles as well, right? Because it's one thing to want it and obtain it and have the ability to do that, which is like the DMV, especially for black and brown folks. But what about those who are largely disconnected from these kinds of lifestyles? Is the is there a pressure to um, go into that if you're not moving out of those uh, situations? But again, I just wanted to frame that because I think that there's 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 you know research and conversation and commentary tying what we're saying here today. But I do I do I do appreciate what Rena was also saying as well. It's like I think there's varying scenarios that we we it'll be important to highlight because i don't think everyone right it's not a monolith not everyone will enter these probably knowingly probably consciously um it just may be from um, various aspects of their lives or what was learned right some people may have seen their parents or um move in that way and and to them it makes sense only for them to kind of figure out like wow uh there's other needs that i have so i'm just going to throw that back out there Mm-hmm. I think I think a general theme between both Anisha's scenario and mine is just survival mm-hmm. in general. That 
on on her scenario, this idea that to survive and not always ball out, just to survive in right. this in this this economic climate, you actually start thinking about blending resources and when your lease is going to be up and can can I time this with moving in with someone um, way before you sometimes realize that the relationship is or isn't stable enough to sustain that that level of intimacy. And the same thing accounts for my scenario. You may have learned that to to get the attention that you want or to have the companionship that you want, you have to pay for it. You have to kind of woo somebody or lure somebody in, in a way, not realizing that ultimately uh, you're not going to get exactly what you were looking for that's going to evolve into something different and it may not exactly be as authentic as, as you want it to be. So I really see parallels between mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think that um, it crosses all like socioeconomic levels, right? And there might even be greater pressure um, at lower ends of the spectrum where like Weena just said, you're just trying to survive. Right. So, um, you're looking at things very strategically in terms of partnerships. Um, so I think circumstances can often play a huge role in um, someone m- making those decisions. Um, a, a woman who's feeling like she's reaching, you know, the upper edges of, you know, her biological clock um, and wants a baby out of the deal. Um, you know, so there, there are different circumstances at that time can contribute to you making compromises, um, settling perhaps even mm-hmm. um, for um, this type of relationship, maybe with the hopes of, you know, love developing. Um, but I, I think, yeah, there are a variety of different scenarios that would contribute. Mm-hmm. So how much of this contributes to some of the problems that you're seeing in session with clients? You know, how much of people going into their relationships with those expectations that you all mentioned is the reason why they end up on our couches when the romantic element is not being developed or hasn't developed? Well, again, I brought up my scenario because the the part where we encounter clients all the time who don't know how to receive love without being suspicious about where it's coming from or uh, more importantly people who are just givers 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 who don't understand that you're giving to the to the, the point where you've exhausted yourself and you haven't actually bothered to look around and notice that maybe you don't need to give so much that person is willing to carry more of the weight, but you kind of push people away, you push that reciprocity away and then become exhausted and resentful and it could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. You're actually starting that transactional relationship because that's what you're used to without really seeing that you might have somebody in your life that's not interested in that type of relationship, but they, they can't figure out a way to love you. So, so we see that a lot. I know I do in teaching a person how to actually stop that from happening and be willing to be vulnerable enough 
to not be in a transactional relationship and let it be more of a reciprocal relationship. It's a real thing. Mm-hmm. 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 I thought um, Dr. John brought up a really great word um, in last episode, um, equity. And I'm hoping you will elaborate on that. Like you kind of dropped it in there like, well, we'll maybe save it for the next time. But I think that that's huge. Um, and one of the things I see um, where it becomes problematic, and Weena, you you said this too, um, is that you know maybe there's an assumption that it will be more balanced, but it rarely is, right? And so the problem is if I feel like I'm giving more than you are. Um, so um, John, can you talk a little bit about equity as it pertains to transaction yeah. relationships? Yeah, no, I mean, I was I was just. Um, I mean, I was coming at it from multiple angles, but when I think about it in terms of relationship, right? So, you know, Sister Wise said, you know, reciprocity, right? So in my mind, when I was uh, talking, when we had this conversation in part one, I said, look, I think a lot of people end up confusing um, equal with, with, you know, equality, equal with equity, and and they're they're technically two different concepts, right? right? So. You know, so, for, you know, when, when looking at equal, it's, it's, it's about sameness. It's about, you know, I have five, you have five, and we kind of move along that principled value. That's why equality is such a big deal. What, what mm-hmm. I have um, inherently, um, I'm hoping that you have as well. And so, you know, th- that's, that's critical. Um, and, and, and these two do inter, interconnect. But equity, though, equity just from a fundamental standpoint does revolve around fairness. And now that's where equity usually gets very tricky. So mm-hmm. to Weena's point, if we're gonna talk equity, there's multiple levels to it. There's reciprocity. So there's like this, flu- there should be a fluid, fluidity to how we interact, the good services, the interactions, like there should be an exchange that, you know, to Anisha's point, that should be as balanced as possible. Now where people are getting caught up, um, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about seeing couples in session as well is that, one, they're confusing um, equality with equity. Mm-hmm. And so I think there needs to be more direct conversations. I think we as therapists with these couples, but also teaching couples how to understand the differences. So that way, when you when these issues arrive, you don't conflate the two. Mm-hmm. See, when I work with my couples, I have to deconflate it because that's also one of the things that's tripping them up. They're conflating equity with, with equality. And I'm saying they both are real. They're both are critical. But especially regarding transactional relationships, like we need to really be on the same page because that will, it doesn't solve everything, but at least conceptually will help people to start thinking in better ways on how to respond to these issues. And the other thing I'll say about the equity part is that um, if we're dealing with fairness, then that means that we are dealing with people's perceived, their own perceptions about how they are being treated about what they are experiencing and that is very personal which is why even at a macro level equity is such a hard concept for people to address Mm -hmm. because it's not as objective and technically we're talking about um, a dynamic that could be construed as objective so that it's easy to say okay i do this you do this i do this and it's though quantifiable it's not as objective because when you bring equity into the situation, you're talking about someone's perceived, their perception of how you relate to them, how you treat them. And once that is, uh, pardon the language, if, if and when that is skewed for all kinds of reasons, 
then those problems end up perpetuating of it's not fair. You'll hear people say, this is not fair. This is not mm -hmm. fair. And you have the other partner saying, no, it is fair. I got five. You got five. What are we talking about? So there's this kind of circular logic that I think we as therapists have to help deconflate and deconstruct and help people build healthier ideas. So that way, are we talking equality? Or are we talking equity regarding this relationship? Mm -hmm. So how are people supposed to determine the difference between um, what is a reasonable transactional relationship versus one that is less reasonable or unreasonable transactional relationship? How are they, because if we're saying that there is going to be a degree of, um, it's expected there's gonna be a degree of transaction within relationships, um, but we also recognize it can go too far. How can you tell where you are or what the differences are between the two? I mean, obviously it comes on a spectrum, but how can you tell? I think, un unfortunately, you know, what I see often, you know, in session is um, people don't recognize or come to terms with what type of relationship they're in until crisis hits. Yeah. Sure. And I cannot, somebody can't do what they had agreed to do, you know what I mean? Or were expected to do. Yeah. Um, loss of job, infertility, you know what I mean? Like those things where what I thought it was gonna be isn't. Right. And you have some people, love has you in for the long haul. Like baby, we'll, we'll be all right. <laughs> um, you know, I got you, you know, I'll hold you down. Like, you know, mm -hmm. when it's just about what you bring and you can't bring it, then it's a whole problem. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Wina? I was just thinking about how sometimes you don't realize that you were really in it for uh, a couple of core value things uh, until something like that happens. So if you haven't done your work, maybe gone to couples therapy prior to tying the knot or moving in with somebody, taking that long journey to forever, then it's possible that when their money is funny or when they're able to deliver on a task, you are first coming to grips with the idea that that's what you placed your value in. And that person's stock just plummets in your life right. because they can no longer deliver the return on the investment that you were hoping for. Right. Or, even, or even if you're able to get it yourself now, you don't need them in the same way anymore. So part of the sure. trans, part mm -hmm. of the the dissolution yeah. of the transaction is that I don't need you for that transaction. You know, I can do it myself. Yeah. You know, what do you think, Doctor John? Just in terms of how people can distinguish between the two kinds of, you know, which level of transactional relationship they're in. Yeah. No, I I, I agree with what everyone is saying. Um, you know, as everyone was talking, I was I was kind of joking to myself. Look now, uh, people got to start reading the fine print. On, on these so-called contracts. I mean, seriously, because, you know, you, you, you think of the big picture like, oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I'm excited, yada, yada, yada. Anisha's right. Uh, life is getting harder for people to not just move up, but at least maintain to mean, uh, you know, to, to, to mean that, you know, um, and I like what Anisha and Wiener were saying. It's like there is survival mode. And Anisha's right. And, and it, was a, it was a really great point, which is, See, everything was all hunky-dory until the problems start rolling in. See, when the bills get higher and then the situations, you know, I, and Wiener's right, when the money is funny, 
It's not adding up. You know, people really start, they get offended, you know, and, and people start personalizing it. And what people have to um, realize is that how, when thinking about entering or considering these, um, when I'm hearing all of my colleagues on the call talk, I'm saying to myself, okay, truly how flexible are we? Because people's circumstances honestly do change. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't understand how you would think 10 years ago, whatever that situation was between you and your partner is literally gonna look like that. Forget, you know, 10 years, just six months later because the, the economy and the demands are changing. And Anisha named several things that like really can and will happen at some point one way or another. Um, whether it's from an economic standpoint. And so I think there's a flexibility point. And so when I, the reason why I bring that up is like, I agree with Wiener, like people have to at least consider doing some really good work, do some research on yourself. I think you really have to push yourself because um, it is a very hard dynamic to maintain. Um, and I think the maintenance part is also key there. How open are you to maintaining or, you know, if and when problems arise, are you just out? Right. And and you're, you're, it's fine to do that, but you know what does that mean for you? And I'm gonna tell you to what Rena said, which is a great, um, it's a it's a great term to use. What's your values? Mm-hmm. You identify your values. You lean into those values. You make that. You conceptualize and and operationalize those values. I'm not saying you won't have problems, but at least if you communicate those values as clearly as possible, and you evolve with those values, and let your partner know about those values. You could be okay. No mm-hmm. one's saying it's going to be perfect, but you can probably be much better than what we're alluding to right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about those people who end up on the opposite side of the transactional relationship, the people who did go into it for more, more romantic reasons, or the person who at first might have been down with the transaction, but then they become much more emotionally invested in the relationship? That person, what about for them? How are they supposed to either untangle the transaction or address the transaction or how are they even supposed to feel about being um (laughs) being on that side of the transaction because there's two sides of it if one person if we're not saying if we're looking taking away from um it being mutual and it being more one-sided well let's talk about the other side i find out that the reason why my mate is with me is because of you know financial reasons they were looking for financial support or um, a, for, a firmer financial foundation, but I went into it for romantic reasons, and now they're complaining because I'm not meeting the romantic needs when I was never really meant to do that for them because they're here for another reason. How am I supposed to handle that? How am I supposed to conduct myself within that? Call a good therapist. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good beginning. <laughs> no, I think you know one of the ways I've seen it kind of consistently come up. Um, Esther Perel, I love her work. I remember going to a workshop and she said, a lot of relationships start out in a very egalitarian way. Like we love each other. We want to spend the rest of our lives together. We want to build a family together. And then the kids come. Mm. And then it reverts back to this very traditional high expectation of, of and very fixed rigid views of, of what who's doing what right, right. and so um i see that come up sometimes where um you know i thought we were in love and we were doing this together and the expectations then are layered on in terms of 
what I'm supposed to do. And it doesn't feel like love. And it doesn't feel fair, like John was saying. Mm-hmm. The, the word obligation just came up for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. like there's this switch from, oh, I love this job to, oh, I don't love it so much anymore because I'm forced to do it now. Mm-hmm. When you feel forced into a role and somehow this does tie into transactions, uh, it becomes something that you resent versus something that you you actually enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's a great point to bring up about what I call the middle passage. Mm-hmm. It's when the relationship evolves into the space where there's more obligation than there is choice. Yeah. That's where the seven year itch comes from. Mm-hmm. We don't really break that down much, but t- typically the seven year itch in a marriage comes around the time when kids are in diapers. Mm-hmm. You've been married a couple years uh, and it's hard. You're like in the dark stages of it and it's divide and conquer. And by that, you got one kid, I got the other kid, and we never have each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And you feel that neglect. The, the things that you used to be able to give to each other, you now can't fulfill those roles the way you did when it was just the two of you. And it leaves the relationship open and vulnerable to all types of temptations. And so when we say seven year rich and somebody goes out and cheats or has some type of violation breach, it's, it's typically because we're in that middle passage where the transactions have become less enjoyable in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're going to have to wrap up soon. So I want to make sure that our listeners are getting some solutions to this, right? If you find that you are in a um, unreasonable transactional relationship, that it's no longer working for you. What do you do? How do you move away from this into a more egalitarian relationship? If that's what you're looking for, a more romantic relationship, if that's what you desire. I think it starts with you. I can't stress enough how important it is for people to examine the ways that they get into relationships, the people that they're attracted to and how they they start building the foundation. Each person needs to know what they're bringing and how they're coming into relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's a very real thing if you have any issues with being vulnerable Mm -hmm. if a relationship starts off and you're unable to be vulnerable unable to receive love as much as you give love or you come in with these high expectations of others but you don't always maintain that same standard for yourself you need to know that about yourself Mm -hmm. you need to be willing to hear that when your partner starts giving you cues or Mm -hmm. clues that that something about the way you're building this foundation might lead to some problems in the middle or toward the end of it, right? Right. If you don't know that you struggle with reciprocity or equity or you're too bent on equality, there are Mm -hmm. going to be some problems in the relationship. Right. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Dr. John? Um, what they can do to move away from it. Um, I mean, this, 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 uh, you know, kind of sports is running through my mind. And one of the things that I think sports gets right that I think is very, in my mind, applicable here is, okay, even if and when things change, 
the terms change, then how about just sit down and renegotiate the contract? Mm -hmm. Players do it all the time. Teams do it all the time. And you know why they do it? Even for the folks who aren't sports fans, they do it because they want the long-term commitment. They want both parties to be happy. So when we so when we signed up for this interaction, this this relationship, we agreed on certain terms. But now, but now the kids came, or now someone lost their job, or now someone got a very high-paying job. Right? What people aren't doing, you know, to Anisha's point, that's that's why it's important. Well, also sister wise as well. It's like work on yourself. Um, Find a great therapist, but also folks just need to get comfortable. If you want to stay for all kinds of reasons, then just get comfortable with renegotiating contracts. And also, um, and in order to negotiate in good faith, um, definitely bring in a third party. But, you know, it's not it's not these one and done deals where you sign them 10 years ago and then you're still trying to run the same play. Right. Renegotiate it. Like it may be because of the children have came. You know they're here we need to sit down we were operating under this particular structure right that structure is probably not conducive what do you need what do i need if we're struggling let's go see a therapist mm -hmm. so i would say just from a conceptual and practical standpoint renegotiate as much as possible yeah. and be open and flexible to my earlier point to these negotiations mm -hmm. how about you I, I just, oh, sorry. yeah sorry. i was gonna say i i just um you know piggybacking on what John is saying, it, it's, it's communication, right? Like laying it all out on the table, um, complaint is, are basically just unstated expectations. Um, we need to lay out those things, those shoulds and whatever, and be willing, as Weena said, to look within ourselves and say, ask ourselves, are we being reasonable? Um, is this really a measure of love absolutely because a lot of times it's it's not um it's really in us that are limiting it and, and defining it you know in these these ways um that aren't helpful or healthy right. so i think it's you know to john's point getting comfortable with the discomfort yeah no doubt you know, there's, there's so much more that I want to get into. I would love to continue this conversation because there's so much more. I'm even thinking about those people who have these expectations. They expect these different, you know, like, again, transactional. They have these different wants and needs from their mate, but they're not doing anything. How about those people? I have all these mm. great expectations for what you're supposed to provide. All I got to do is yeah. show up. You know, those people who don't have, make any effort. I mean, there's so many layers to this, so many layers to this. But as always we have to move on so let's move on to our noble truths where we actually have our bullet points our highlights of today's conversation what are some of the noble truths that you have from this topic of transactional relationships why don't, you, why don't we start off with you Rina? living together in marriage is a, a risk of choosing one person that you want to walk through life with no matter how it evolves or changes. I think we all said that today in some way, shape or form. Um, communicating, being willing to pivot and being self-aware. Mm. It takes all three of those things mm -hmm. to end up healthy on the other side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. What you got, Anisha? What's your noble truths? Um, just again, that it, it doesn't have to necessarily be a bad thing as long as we're 
both on the same page yeah. of what we're doing and why. Um, and that communication is key to that. All right, Dr. John. Yeah, no, I, I, I what, what Anisha and Rena said is great. I'll add on to that, and that is be honest with yourself and be honest with the other person and continue to be honest with yourself and honest with the other person. I think that's my noble truth. Okay, all right. And I would say that my noble truth for this week is if you're going into a relationship and you know it's transactional, if you know that this is what you're, you're, you're going into with this idea of what you expect it to be and what you expect to get out of it, okay, cool. We all do that to some degree. But don't get mad when the other person is no longer meeting all of your expectations. You went into it with this one or two particular expectations and now you have all these other expectations for it to turn into something else and it doesn't and it's their fault it's not their fault they're just not meeting the expectations that you did not set up initially and so yeah things will transition things will change things will grow things will evolve in your relationship but when they don't grow in the way that you're expecting because you didn't set it up that way you can't be mad at them yes come see us come sit down with a therapist and let's talk it out but don't be <laughs> don't expect it to be something that it was never meant to be from jump because you had this one idea for what it's supposed to be. I mean, I get it. Hey, look it. You got into this because, you know, you, you weren't able to make it on your own, which, you know, all of us, we all have our struggles. That's fine. I get it. But you moved in with somebody way too fast. You didn't get to know them in the way that you're supposed to in order to really build something nice and romantic and healthy. And I hear this four or five years later and you're mad because they just are not the person that you thought they would be they were for a while they created that stability for you but now <laughs> any which way well this is what we talk about here on kings of the heart and i want to thank everyone for being here with us today um we don't want you to tell the people where they can find out more about you and what you what else you have going on and uh, you can also check me out on social media as Nick Wives or visit our covenant page on IG. Thank you. I have to make sure I change that that graphic down there. I don't know why it even says that. That's 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 somehow I got messed up. Anyway, anyway, my bad. Alicia, what about for you? Well, uh, where can people find out more about what's going on with you? Um, you can just find me at growthpointtherapy.com. Okay, well, nice and simple. Dr. John, what you got? Yeah, no, I'll come show some love at, you know, kingsoftheheart.com. Um, you know, we're always doing great stuff. Uh, you can also find me at the Relationship Counseling Center of Maryland. Um, that's, you type it in, pops up. You can also just type in, you know, Dr. John Hart, doing a lot of great stuff clinically, and also just trying to impact the world, you know, with some of my criminal legal reform stuff, so doing some good stuff but please check out growth point check out coventry you know we're all here to support so you know definitely show some love to those sisters over there uh, brother reek where can we find you bro like dr john said you can find me right here on kings of the and all streaming platforms you can find us kings of the heart um the kings of the heart podcast you can also find out more about my private practice at insightmft.com or you can go to my media page viewsandvibes.com Otherwise, remember, we are streaming live um, on Friday mornings at 9 a.m. on Facebook, on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel, as now on our IG page as well. So you can watch this live. You can click on, you can comment, 
and then you can go back later and listen to us on all the different streaming platforms whether it's iHeartRadio, Pandora, um, Spotify, everybody. We are streaming everywhere. So there's no way for you to to not connect with us. But look it, I want to thank everybody for coming on today. Thank you to my Royal Cypher and Happy New Year and Happy Holidays to everybody. Yes. That's right. Yes. That's right. All right, guys. We will see you in 2024 to continue on with season five. So everyone, look at you guys take care and we will see you soon. Peace.